Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Humans are cheating bastards. Written by Chaparthing. It had been two weeks since Dave bastardized the game I loved. Two weeks of watching every two-bit casual player run circles around AOA club members with Dave's infernal tactics. Of course, counters were found. Many of us dusted off old memory calls not used in centuries to find the answers. I was shocked to learn that before my time, Dave's strategy was common and matches could last decades as the remaining players wore down each other. What shocked us most of all was that father of our strategy, Alpha of Strategy Order, Godean, and the Fifth House created the Flowing Sword strategy to wipe out fleets such as the one Dave had made. Supposedly, its dubious rumors are to be believed. He missed his own child's birth and graduation during a grueling game. Both he and his opponents had been hospitalized and were infirm the rest of their lives as a result. That was why he created the Flowing Hand, to end matches quickly. It had been perfected by younger masters and adopted as our method. Dave, though, he saw what we didn't. He saw us for the fools that we were. He knew every action we would take before we did. We had become complacent. Where we competed for perfect maneuvers handled down through generations, Dave played to win. It was a mistake I learned early on, and one I did not anticipate on repeating. What was needed was a new match, not one where Dave was left alone to create his devious machines of war. We all gathered around the table and began a new game. As usual, before the game had even begun, the Nakota were already establishing their own intricate network of diplomacy and preparatory backstabs. The bargain world-bearer had also joined. We knew little about him other than the nature of his kind. His family was one of the few that ruled over the Bergen Warclans by matter of being able to plan and think. He still carried the Bergen tradition of only speaking when needed and in few words as possible. Then there was Dave. My skin became dark purple as we locked eyes across the room. There was an excited energy at the table. An atmosphere was different. Fear. Excitement and stress all rolled into one. The game was set. We began. The first turn revealed some surprising results. Half of my starting planets were large gas giants with H3 in them, and I had enough habitable worlds to get a strong technology lead early on. My only concern was lack of base materials. In the past, you were safe for the first two or three sessions. There was no such quarter in this game, though... Raids were early and vicious. I lost many merchant vessels to opportunistic players. With each passing turn, my head ached and my lips itched. What had once been a jewel of wit and precision had become a melee of no mercy. No move was too low, no tactic too cruel. My early settlements were defended from the ground invasions, but my space station was under near constant attack. It was the fourth session. Buildings and equipment that had never seen the extensive use were now hugely instrumental. 
ground bases, anti-ship guns dotted every major colony, and no mining station was complete without a military outpost. The raids became bigger and bigger as we fought to survive. Ekla was the warpath carving through the neighboring opponents, and Dave had gone silent as he examined his territories and weighed his options. I wasn't sure what he was planning, but I didn't want to repeat of last time. I needed to ensure my place in this campaign. As it turned out, Helium-3 was in short supply, and my well-defended gas giants held the main source of it. I used the researchers to fund the currency backed by the H-3 reserves. I was pleasantly surprised to see raids on my territory dwindle. Everyone who wanted H-3 had to play by my rules. If you didn't have the Helium-3, most common forms of FTL were impossible without cumbersome technology. And when it came to the decide who was allowed to get my currency, it was very convenient to leave Dave out of the trade agreement. Try fighting without FTL, Dave. I dare you. As it turns out, uh, Dave took that as a challenge. Session 14 rolled around as much as 13 had. A few players had been bumped off, including Eklar, who found out the hard way that the forefront war was not a sound military strategy. His systems were squabbled over by the neighbors, who then began to fight over his highly developed worlds. Dave still hadn't sent out his invasion fleet or a raiding party, in large part because without his H3 reserves he was stranded, yet he was still smiling. I hate Dave. Have I mentioned that because I feel that it needs repeating? Players nearby Dave began to complain about FTL artillery being a nuisance, but again, I thought nothing of it. You could soften up a target with FTL artillery from the safety of your own system, but you couldn't conquer it. Turns went by, and the occasional FTL artillery shot would hit. Again, a nuisance and a loss of population was annoying, but not crippling. Another session went by, and suddenly Dave began rolling for his scientists. Unsuccessive fleets began appearing in player systems. My eyes twitched as I tried to figure it out. He couldn't have a fleet. He'd need hundreds of years to reach the nearest planets. Rodegger fought the invading fleet with ease, and we'd assumed that that would be the end of it. The best that Dave could do was send a fleet a hundred years out of date at the time when we were confident that he was merely a paper tiger. He wasn't. Just throwing that out there, we seriously need to stop underestimating humans. Another turn later, an even larger feat appeared in Rodica's empire, and again he fought it off without casualties. I asked if I could examine one of the destroyed ships. Rodica sent over an incomplete ship template sheet to simulate a wrecked ship. I was puzzled as to why the ship was so small as the corvette had so many repair modules in it. One of them was an ancient first-gen version, and it had only short-range communication systems and no fuel. Only solar sails and ancient ion engines. This made no sense. Dave had rewritten the book on ship design overnight with these templates. Why was he suddenly using some of the weakest weapons in the game? Another turn later, and two fleets arrived in Rodiger's empire. This time, though, they were advanced and brand new. Again, with solar sails and ion engines... We all agreed that it was impossible without FTL to be able to send new ships. The AI stated that no rules had been broken. Rodica suffered minor casualties but beat back the fleets. A fleet similar to the first that Rodica had fought arrived in another system. They was getting suspicious looks. I sent out a rogue in my fleet's fastest ship to find out what was going on in Dave's system. 
It took the entire session for the ship to arrive. And that time, I saw the entirety. It's what happens when you need to travel to another end of the galaxy. These planets were all developed and had bustling high development colonies everywhere. He had transport vessels and vast networks of colony shipyards pumping out generation ships. What was concerning, though, was the lack of any shipyard for military ships. What he did have, though, was the biggest and most advanced FTL artillery that I'd ever seen in any game of AOA. Every turn, the least 50 of these guns were firing. I attempted to have my rogue flee, but Dave caught it on my scheme and dispatched a squadron of corvettes and frigates to destroy my stealth ship. I was still wondering how Dave had managed to build up a fleet without shipyards. I had sent out research vessel into Aklar's former territory to research some old weapon systems I hadn't been able to research. While there, an FDL artillery shell impacted the planet. I rolled to investigate the impact on my researcher. It hit an abandoned world with there was only mined with a minimal population. On further inspection, the shell was a tungsten jacket wrapped around a repair core with a mining probe and refinery. Dave looked at me and congratulated me on finding his weapon. I was more confused than anything else. As if on cue, larger and larger fleets of Dave's ghost navy appeared and began attacking neighboring systems. Each turn, the fleets got bigger and bigger, until the defenders were forced to flee with however much population they could muster. A refugee crisis had emerged in our gaming board as more and more players were forced away from their planets. On the front lines, where refugees were fleeing, the ghost fleet plum players opted to allow their unfortunate neighbors to flee, while others blew up transports coming into their space. In either case, the fleets kept coming. By the time the 17th session ended, every neighboring compire to Dave was driven away or locked in a meat grinder war that they had no hope of winning. However, the fleet stopped advancing and the artillery ceased firing. Any foray into a formerly held territory was met with insurmountable numbers. Even ship designs copied straight from Dave's first game were no use against the sheer numbers. Scouts' ships detected Generation Colony ships entering Rodiger's former territory. As a sole provider of H3 for what was left of our territory, I offered it freely to anyone who was willing to ally and hold ground against Dave. Our alliance brought us closer than anything I'd experienced. There was no double-sided games to our agreements, and despite my better judgment, concessions were made that did not benefit me at all. We were allies, and I generally cared about keeping the other players in the game. I knew if we beat Dave here, my H3 monopoly would assure a victory anyways. But against everything I'd learned, I didn't care. It wasn't about superiority. It was about my allies. Dave... You've broken me. My family is one of the fourteen houses, and I was raised to lead a Verlance through the decisive action and ruthless precision. While most learn not to pick at their mandibles, I was being taught to conquer empires. Why, in the name of Alpha, did I care about those who were not me? Damn you, Dave. Our alliance waited and built up. Without petty politics, our unified fleet benefited from more than half a galaxy of resources. With surplus of every conceivable material, our fleets were the height of naval technology. After twenty turns, the artillery resumed. Knowing what I did, I ensured that the impacts were scoured and destroyed. Dave smiled and nodded at me as I grew wise to his plan. I would not be defeated, not by a human. 
I'd given up so much to ensure victory I wasn't about to make a mistake now. The artillery continued to pound away at our planets. When scouting vessels appeared in our frontier, our fortifications annihilated them. I spread out our fleets and find out how these fleets were infiltrating our borders. Players who had experienced Dade's wrath began to panic. I didn't blame them. Behind my natural leadership, I was worried. Genuinely scared even as to what Dave was planning. Our fortifications and defense armies began seeing entire bases set up in worlds that belonged to us, all entirely automated. It was all beginning to click together. I'd never bothered to look at the repair module much. Any ship that was damaged could go to a shipyard or use a parasitic drones. A repair module was a waste of space. But these were advanced beyond anything I'd ever seen before, capable of repairing a corvette in a turn or this case turning one out. I couldn't believe it. Even deprived of most crucial resources, he developed a war-winning solution. I knew what had to be done. I assembled our fleets to the fullest strength and made the order. Reserve the garrison fleets would hunt down to destroy any replicating seed they found while our fleets pressed forward and used our biggest advantage. Our FTL. It was a two-pronged war on a scale that dwarfed even my first bout with Dave. It was rather entertaining seeing Dave alone in his end of the table, surrounded by all sides by dozens of fleets of cards and planet sheets. Our combined fleet fanned out and began to hunt. A single battleship from our fleet was more than a match for an entire fleet's worth of ships that Dave had at his disposal. And we weren't blinded by ego or nepotism this time. We were efficient and retaking ground at twice the rate we lost it. However, as we got closer and closer to the core of Dave's territory, the fleets came in greater pace and more advanced than the last. Try as we may, with every victory we tasted defeat. Every strategy was counted in a few turns, regardless of requirements. The tendrils of Dave's sheet fleet began to spread further. No matter how quickly we replaced losses, he replaced them quicker. When we built planetary shields to protect our systems from FTL seeds, he rammed battleship-sized seas clusters into them. I spent weeks locked in a trance, unable to concentrate on anything but defeating Dave. Food had no taste at all, and I wanted to do was study the books of the alphas before me. The ruthless efficiency of it was mind-numbing. I lost sleep. I lost weight to the point where my scholarly frame was reduced to a meek skin and bones. With the sullen red eyes, I returned to the match only to find Dave sitting at the table, alone reading through a book. He wasn't smiling. He looked at me, and I could see immediately that his body was in a similar state to mine. I could see the individual veins in his eyes. It was unsettling. I asked where the others were. He motioned to the desk where there were dozens of notifications of planets sissied to me. I smiled meekly and sat down at the table opposite Dave. I'd sat in this chair for years, rooting over what might of the Magistrate Alpha. I sighed. It didn't feel the same anymore. I asked Dave if he was ready. He agreed, and we began the game. It was a blur of management and perfection. I turned my feet much the way Dave had, and we hit each other with everything we had. The world outside didn't matter to us. Hours seeped by, and night became day. My fingers swiped at holograms I had no recollection of seeing. My body acted independently, while my mind was in deep trance. Numbers and ideas collected in my head. 
This went on until physical exhaustion overcame me and I awoke from my trance. Dave stared at a hologram, his eyes unmoving. My body screamed for nourishment. I looked at Dave hesitantly. I asked if he needed to take a break. That word startled Dave. He asked if I needed a break. We both agreed and stumbled half a steep to the dining hall. We piled our plates high and sat down at one of the scheduled tables nearer to the library. Dave balanced war drink containers and placed them down on the table. He explained that they were good for staying awake. I wasn't sure as one of the drinks appeared to be hot enough to scald flesh and was the coloration of feces and the other had the appearance and taste of a carbonated urine. The drinks were unpleasant to drink but had an immediate effect. Dave and I spoke for the first time as peers in over years. Between mouthfuls of food, we discussed the game and our plans, and it became readily clear that no one was going to win without a serious commitment. I told him the story of my hero and the infirm state that he had ended up in as a result of his strategies. Dave reached out his hand as he had when he first met. He offered and called it a tie. I was unfamiliar with the concept. He explained when two sides of a conflict cannot overcome each other, instead of losing war, they agreed to end the conflict without deciding a victor. It took me a few explanations to get the idea, but he persisted. With a weak hand, I grasped his and shook it. As sweaty as his hand was, it still looked back at the moment with fond memories. We spoke for a great deal of time over our warm food and disgusting stimulus drinks. We agreed on most subjects and fiercely debated the others, but one thing that we had the same opinion on was that it would be a loss to not play AOA again. We ruined each other in a way, as funny as it sounds. We were both leagues ahead of anyone in the academy, and to join the ranks of the strategy alpers required one-session games ensuring that you'd spend much of your life locked into a game for months at a time. Put simply, we were too good for the game to result in anything more than a tie without committing our lives to a game that we would no longer enjoy. It was a story of Olwyn, the immortal, all over again. Two immortal brothers, trapped forever in a duel, never winning to surrender and unable to die. The only winning move was not to play at all. We ended up leaving the club after that. To my surprise, membership enrollment spiked when we left. Perhaps the prospect of being able to win a game drew the casual players out of the shadows. Dave and I still visit whenever there is a session in progress. We would give out advice to the other players, which they would inevitably follow. We kept track of dozens of games at a time, watching to see how they played out. Our only rule was that we could not tell them what to make, only advise them and give ideas. We competed in our own way still, finding rivalries and guiding them from behind the chair. When we got too invested, we would remove ourselves from the table and watch the results. When we graduated that year, we did so with honors. Not being locked into matches for days at a time allowed us to catch up and then some... After the ceremony and we accepted our ceremonial swords, I introduced Dave to my family and me to his. After that, we agreed to never allow our families to interact with one another ever again. The prospect for us was endless, though I doubt graduation was the last that we would see of each other. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below. 
for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.